1: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: The Volume.
3: All right, we're here on open mic, and my next guest, uh, he arrived As the 49ers defensive coordinator for the 2017 season and for two years I heard fans and people in my business just crushing this guy. I thought his first name was fire because I just could not hear anything other than this guy is killing us. And then in year three, suddenly uh, the Robert Sala sideline experience took the NFL by storm. And now he is the toast of the Big Apple. Hello, Mr. Sella.
4: What's up, Mike? How you doing, man?
3: (laughs) I'm great. And and you are in your bye week and kind enough to join us. And uh, I'm still trying to process all this because you and I uh, sat together back in the spring uh, in Morristown, New Jersey, had a great meal and talked about some of the challenges you were facing. If we had been sitting there that night and I had told you, no Makai Becton, no Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, George Fant would go out. You'd draft a guy named Brees Hall who was tearing it up, and then he was out, um, and you'd be sitting here six and three. Would you have looked at me funny?
4: I would have taken it. <laughs> <laughs> I have it but now uh, guys have been doing a good job, you know, and it's uh, a testament to all the coaches, all the players. It's been a, a good first half of the season, but we gotta got to find a way to keep it rolling.
3: Uh, you took a high profile job in a uh in a big place and year one with a team that was kind of reeling from past years uh you went four and 13 and of course it's New York so nobody reacted very strongly uh, or anything and you know you have quarterback Zach Wilson you drafted last year who's still growing into it um and, and so you had challenges um you came out after the opener which didn't go well had started talking about all the criticism you guys have been getting and, and the negativity Um, was that intentional and kind of what was your thinking when you, when you
4: talked about that? Um, It was kind of it was in the moment, Um, but uh, trying to really just trying to keep uh, the attention off the locker room, the negative attention anyway, Um, positive attention. I mean, have at it, give, give, don't worry about the coaches give it all to the players please um but from a negative standpoint especially with such a young roster um i think why it's so hard to build in new york is because it's instant coffee everybody wants it now and um and so just the appreciation of growth isn't always recognized until the growth actually happens it's like don't don't i don't want to see the baby i want i want the adult right now right and um uh, in that moment, it was just, you know, trying to find a way to give breathing room to such a young roster so they can, uh, play free, uh, uh, mentally free and have, have kind of a positive
3: atmosphere tool. When Robert makes a kid analogy, I, <laughs> uh, he and his very amazing wife have seven children. So, you know what you're talking about there? <laughs> seven blessings, man. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, you got any big bi-week plans, by the way? I mean, first of all, you have seven kids, so there's a lot going on. Secondly, are we going to need, like, to get you some bodyguards if you go out to Manhattan?
4: Uh, <laughs> well, first off, first, so seven kids, big family. My wife has a list about 10 miles long. And um, so I, I've got to clean out the garage. i got, I got to get my office up and running. i got there's some odds and ends. I, I got to go through the punch list for the contractor to make sure we get one more, one more walkthrough. And so I'm, I'm working. I don't get to go anywhere. Maybe, maybe my wife and I will be able to do something better uh, for date night on Friday. We go dates every Friday. And so hopefully we can do something good, but uh, she's got, she's got me grinded.
3: I want to offer you a chance. You are six and three, so it's, it's a work in progress. There's a long way to go, but you did say that you were taking receipts uh, and that, you know, when things turned around, you might uh, you might be cashing in on some of those receipts. you want to cash in on uh, something? There's,
4: there's nothing to cash in yet. I've, I've said it before. We, we got to win a heck of a lot more than six games, one game. Um, you know, and one of my, you know, the, re, the the ultimate receipt, the entire New York media and or the whole NFL world has on me is that, I, you know, our goal – me into my opening press conference saying that we want to win championships so hopefully i can catch hopefully we can cash in on that receipt first um before anything else
3: have you had one
4: moment though where you're just
3: like i can't believe this person is crushing us this bad or i can't believe this
4: was said um you know i i uh, i do my best to stay away from it all our media guys they do a really good job just you know, keeping us abreast of what's happening with our players, I think that's so much more important to me, um, uh, with regards to and us to, to see where the, the mentals of our of our athletes. But uh, you know, um, the only time I ever know anything happens is if it's brought to my attention. So I think the only one was when when Rex had the uh, the big one. Uh, but but Rex is awesome. He and I have had a lot of conversations since then, and uh, he's he's awesome. So it's. Uh, but other than that, I, I really don't. I really don't know what we saying what. Like. Yeah.
3: And if I recall, Rex Ryan, former Jets coach, went on the radio and said, Don't or TV said, don't ever compare this guy to me. You responded by saying, Dude, you know where to find me. I'm right here. And then and then he called you and you guys uh got to a better place. Yeah, we
4: we got to sit in at the senior bowl too and just had a really cool conversation and we've had a lot of conversations over going. He's he's helped a lot too. You know, he's, he's been a head coach at two different locations and he's been able to share his experiences with me. And uh, he's been a, an, an awesome resource for me with regards to just how to adjust better in my chair and the chair that I, uh, I'm in now him being in this chair, this exact chair has been very helpful for me. So he's been, he's been awesome.
3: I mean, it is true. I, one thing I, told my kids as they were growing up playing sports and that I use as you know, losing just sucks. And everybody, you know, it just tears everybody up and people react differently. Uh, and so I, I, I could see, uh, I could see some of that. You guys are both emotional guys, but uh, oh, yeah.
4: it's, it's, uh, it's euphoria and disaster. I mean, shoot, I come home, uh, after a loss and you think we're in, a, in the middle of a funeral, my wife and kids are just all laid out, you know, just, but it's, uh, it comes with the territory it's why it's why it's it's also the the cool thing about our profession right every week the emotions you feel you uh I always tell my wife even after losses like think about it, honey we're living life like how many people have the get to experience the emotional roller coaster that we get to experience we're so blessed and that um every week we where it's just like we're we're living life where we get to experience all all the human emotions that uh god bless us with and it's, uh, we're very fortunate, so.
3: And, you know, you, you chose a profession that is, uh, that's very taxing. And um, from what I understand, it kind of traces back to 9-11 and, and your brother being in the, the South Tower uh, that day.
4: Yeah. Um, you know, you have one of those aha moments. And, you know, the unfortunate part is that it was tragedy that triggered the aha moment for me. But through tragedy, you know, um, there's always stories and I'm, I'm not the only one there's a lot of stories in this world that i've been able to connect myself to where or been have been told to me of success stories that have stemmed from 9-11 and uh obviously there's there's all the tragedies and lives that were lost too and but um you know it's just one of those moments you know where you're you know you're just having one of those uh self-reflecting look in the mirror are you doing what you want to do moments and uh I've I'm very fortunate to have had to have the family that I have who support, who, who supported me through it. Cause it's, it is not easy being a GA and it's very, uh, it's not a cost effective life. <laughs> and, and so,
3: Yeah. So your brother had made it out of the South tower, thankfully. And
4: I, I was in that America bank world headquarters, downtown Detroit. I was a credit analyst and, uh, um, making good money fresh out of college. And, uh, just trying to get into the the commercial real estate business, and um, it was sitting in a cubicle it was not for me. It's it's like I just said, you know, just, you just you you go to work, you leave, and it's like okay, what did uh, what's the emotional charge? And it just wasn't triggering, and uh, and so just uh, like I said, I was I was very fortunate to be able to have the opportunity to, to pursue coaching.
3: Trying to envision the solid fist pump in a cubicle after like a successful loan. I
4: had the numbers right. <laughs> <laughs> not for me, not for me. But there's a lot of people that, you know, you get a lot of success out of that too. So there's a million ways to make money in this country. That's for sure.
3: And then all of a sudden you're working at central Michigan with Matt LaFleur and you get invited to a party famously at then head coach Brian Kelly's house.
4: You know what that that uh, the story it was uh it was, I don't want to say it was taken out of context, uh, but because uh, I said what I said, but that's not what I meant. Um, you know, it was, we, you know, we were at Brian's, it it's, a, it's a rite of passage, you know, when you're a GA, you go get laundry, you go make coffee, you make the, you do the food run. That's that's just what you do, at least back when I was a GA, And uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, and, and the comment I made you know, which got blown out was made it sound like I was angry. It's just not. Nah, it just you know, I was going to do something different. That doesn't make it right or wrong. It just. But uh, Brian was very good to us. He was, and, uh, and I'm really happy for him and the success that he's having at LSU. And and I know that that article got a lot of uh, attention, but it wasn't. It wasn't like anything I was mad at with BK. Um, it was just. It was funny, you know. I was just telling a funny story about the things we have to do as GAs. I mean, there's. A, I have one story when I was a GA at. I'm not going to say who coaches. I'm not going to put anyone on blast, but I'm, I'm sitting at my desk. I'm working. And he comes in uh, sweating. his Rob, come here. And he's in panic. And he we grab a laundry bag and he gives, gives me football gloves. And we get in this car. I'm like, where are we going? He goes, you'll see. And we drive to this parking lot. and There's a squirrel with a, a yogurt cup stuck on its head. And he can't get out. And he goes, go get the cup off the squirrel's head. I was like, really? He goes, yeah. And he gives me the gloves and, the, and I'm chasing the squirrel with a cup over his head. And I, I got the squirrel, got the cup out, bit at the glove and took off. I was like, what the heck just happened? But um,
3: so this was a coach who was concerned with the welfare of a squirrel.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing, but but the stuff you do as a GA, I was like, you couldn't do this. You ran all the way back to the facility to get a <laughs> to, uh, to get
3: you, the G A. So, so, so did I? Uh, were you concerned that the squirrel was gonna Give you rabies
4: or something? Yeah, you're like, you know, it's just, you know, if a squirrel starts chasing anybody, I don't care how big you are or how tough you think you are. If a squirrel starts chasing, you're run. I don't care what anyone says. But Oh, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> but but it's just, you know, uh, an example of all the things that GAs throughout the country, and I'm sure it still is today, that you have to do, not that you have to, but you, you're you asked to do. It. And it's, uh, you know, it's a rite of passage. It's it's, uh, it's a cool thing, not necessarily an negative thing
3: feel like there's a squirrel who has, like, a little mini Jets hat who's going around going, hey, <laughs> coach of the Jets, that guy got a cup off me one time. <laughs>
4: uh,
3: that's awesome. So, yeah, so you and Matt LaFleur, um, I could just pick – because the story is that Brian Kelly invited you to a party at his house. You guys are thinking, like, awesome, we're going to the party. And, in fact, you were – the snow shovelers and valet parking people, (laughs) but I can also picture Matt being such a worrier, like stressing out about getting the cars parked right. Or, you
4: know, doing the assignment. Matt is to perfection.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Mike McDaniel, another mutual friend of ours, who's uh, now your coaching rival in the, loaded AFC East, by the way. Um, he told a story uh recently about arriving in Houston, uh, where Kyle Shanahan was coming in and uh Dom Capers had been leaving and Gary Kubiak was coming in as the head coach. And he he described you as a squatter, someone who just refused <laughs> to leave his office. And I think you were making five bucks an hour at a time. You know, what was going on there?
4: So um, you know, I was an intern. Um you know, before the quality control was a quality control, you know, um, Houston needed a guy to kind of do all the phone breakdown, all that stuff. So it was right before the season, I got hired with Dom Capers, Vic Fangio was the defensive coordinator, so I was his assistant. And the, this office was huge. It was an enormous office and uh, for the staff in, in the stadium at Ben Reliant Stadium. And, um, and I was in one corner all by myself. And so when, when the staff got fired, uh, I had made a really good impression on Charlie Cassidy, uh just in conversation. Um, and uh, so I couldn't get fired as an intern. I wasn't tech- technically, I wasn't a coach. So my internship wasn't going to end until like the end of February. And Gary comes in and I walk into the building because I wasn't fired yet. And I just hung out. And, uh, and like Mike said, I was squatting. I, I popped in his office, coach, you need anything yet? Take these boxes, go throw them away. Coach go work out. Just I was just any questions he had about anyone, any person in the building, personnel, watch them tape. And um, and as Mike recalls, you know, he comes in and you know, I'd offer Mike's, hey Mike, can I do anything for you? I'm just kind of sitting there, you know, just trying to trying to find a way to keep my job. And um, you know, to be honest with you, Coach Kubiak could have kept me as an intern, I would have been excited. And uh, but he gave me that my first coach's contract as the defense quality control. I love it. It's kind
3: of like a George Costanza move, just like, uh, I'm just going to keep coming to work and see what yeah, happens. It's
4: like, like that was a guy from, from Office Space. You know, yeah. Like, that was me.
3: <laughs> That's amazing. So you had a really cool career with Pete Carroll in Seattle and, and a Super Bowl, and then going with Gus Bradley uh, to Jacksonville, um, kind of seeing the other side of that. And then um, your 49er experience was interesting because. Uh, they locked you in when Kyle got the job as the linebackers coach, but you were still, you know, trying to stay in the running for for the DC job.
4: Yeah, uh, the, the the transition with Kyle, you know, we we built a top five defense in Jacksonville, and it's well documented. He went after Vic, went after Gus Bradley, and Gus Bradley and I were going to be kind of like a little package deal. Um, and he was just really worried about hiring a first time coordinator, and um, the guys that he really wanted our system that whole seattle system long story short he uh, i was i was going to go to the chargers uh people i don't know if people realize that gus bradley went to the chargers i was going to the chargers and um and kyle promised me a legitimate interview if i if i committed to him as linebackers coach and um, and that's all and i just wanted to promise that and and i know, you know everyone knows kyle and kyle is uh, he's a man of his word and he's always going to if he promises you something he's going he's gonna to live up to it so I know it wasn't going to be a sham and at the same time I felt like it was time for me to kind of branch off and, um, you know because everyone knows how close I am with Gus he's such a phenomenal man but uh, uh, did the interview and I guess it did something right so
3: <laughs> what's the angriest Kyle ever got at you on the sideline or in a meeting room or, or anywhere
4: uh there's a lot of times. Um, I think the ink, one of the, <laughs> so there's a, I've, I've told the story before, but um, my first year as a coordinator, it's our first game, Carolina Panthers. And they're winning, they're, they're beating us. You know, it's, it's like 20 to eight or something or six or whatever the heck the score was. We have no chance. It's like the game's pretty much over. And they're, they're in four minute mode. It's third and six. And they put 11 personnel on the field. And, I was, I was like ah shoot because i wanted a different personnel grouping and i was like kyle and i was stuck and i couldn't find kyle so i called the timeout and kyle <laughs> and and so we get the personnel grouping we want and he still they still get a first down they run qb power with freaking cam newton they get a first down i was like head down and kyle is just absolutely going Nuts on the sideline! I've been a coordinator for ten years. I've never called a timeout. Are you just going? And and, you know, Kyle Rudnick just—I was like, oh my god! (laughs) He still gives me crap for it to this day that uh, I call the timeout. But but he's—but I've—I've pissed him off a lot.
2: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: All deserved probably so. You mentioned
3: Gus, who's a great coach. Um, it's such a tough business. Uh, Frank Reich just got fired midseason uh, abruptly by the Colts. Um, I kind of looked at that for a couple hours and was like, well, Gus is the logical guy on that staff to be interim. And interim's a, a tough job. Um were you did, were you thinking Gus would end up getting that for a couple hours? And yeah,
4: I thought I thought maybe Gus or John Fox, even two very well-respected head coaches. John's been to a couple of, uh, um, uh, Super Bowls, but uh, you know uh, these, you know, I'm sure uh, Jeff done has done something, and I know he's consulted over there, so I'm sure there's something there that uh, that's going to give him an opportunity. He's an opportunity, you know. He is a he's a bright football mind. He's played football for a very long time, and um, he's got a tremendous personality and all that stuff. And from everything I've heard about him is that he's a he's an awesome human being. So, um, good luck to him and, and hopefully, you know, they're still in striking distance. They can still win that division. It's, it's, uh, I think they're only two games out and they still, they still have to play a lot of teams in front of them. So, uh, their season's nowhere near close to over. They've got, you know, they've got top five defense, uh, right now when you look at the st- uh, statistics, so they're doing a great job. And, uh, you never know, you know, Frank Reich is a, is a phenomenal football coach, too. So I'd be shocked if he doesn't have another opportunity to hedge up, uh this upcoming coaching cycle.
3: Yeah, I feel like it's got to be hard for Jeff because I know the business and I know how hard people have grinded to get in position to possibly advance and then to walk into a room with coaches who've been grinding and be like well yeah I was I coached a couple of years of high school and here I am guys uh it's pr- he probably has some work to do right you know right or wrong well,
4: well one thing I'll say and I uh I don't want to speak for Gus um but knowing the people who are on that staff especially on the defensive side of the ball um he will be welcomed with open arms and Gus is going to do everything he can to help him succeed that's Gus and that's Richard Smith and Milo and, and Nate uh, Ali, they're, they're all, I mean, it is going to be, um, the, I, I promise you not one person in that building is looking at that from a cynical view. And, uh, and if, um, uh, and they're going to do everything they can to make sure that they're successful at that head coaching chair. So.
3: Let's talk about your quarterback. You guys, uh, took them at number two overall and, you know, we're in an era where guys end up playing right away and, and go through growing pains. Um, you know, where is he in his in his growth process and what needs to improve?
4: He's still a pup. You know, it's uh in this day and age, you know, it's it's different than back when I first got in the league where a quarterback sat for a couple of years and then, you know, you you like Aaron Rodgers sat for a few years behind Brett, and then his first couple of years weren't all peaches and cream, but you saw a kid a young man who's got potential to be really, really good, and then all of a sudden it just clicks. They go to the Super Bowl, they win, and it's like, damn, this guy's good. Um, and now he's one of the best quarterbacks ever. Uh, everyone is everyone is looking for the anomaly. Everyone's looking for the uh, the Joe Burrows, the Herberts, the and so they're, they're one you know, and, and they happen, but it's it's not as common. It usually takes them a couple of years, and if you just stick with them and you just have patience and you build around them and you give them a chance to to grow and into the uh, role they're in. Quarterback is the hardest position in all of sports. I mean, think about your pinata back there—just getting. You got two point five seconds to make a decision, or you're just going to get crushed by a three hundred pound madman, right? And um, and so you got the whole team on your on your shoulders for the most part. And uh, but it, you know he's he's been getting a lot better. I th- I think anyone who doesn't acknowledge the fact that he is light years ahead of where he was a year ago um, isn't really watching football and not paying attention. And anyone who doesn't think he'll be light years from where he is now next year from where he is now, um, doesn't, you know, you don't have faith in him. We have faith that he's going to continue to get better. And, um, and we see signs of it in practice. We see signs of it in games. Unfortunately, you're judged by the mistakes you make and kind of like a golfer, you're only as good as your, your worst, your, your worst miss. And, um, but his, his misses are getting, they're getting tighter. And, uh, Um, And he's doing everything he needs to do to make sure we're winning football games. And that's why he's, since he's been back, we've been five and one.
3: He got a a lot of attention in New York back in July for a story that surfaced on social media. Did you guys joke about that at all when he came back? You know, were were mom jokes fair game? How did it go?
4: Uh, I I leave that for the locker room.
3: (laughs) probably a good idea. Um, By the way, you've got the bye week coming up. And I know you and I talked over the offseason a lot about guys, how they handle the offseason year one to year two. And, you know, you you can only supervise so much when they're not with you. Um, Across town, uh, safety on the Giants, Xavier McKinney is out for a few weeks. Apparently, he went to Cabo during the bye week got in an ATV accident. Fortunately, it was only his hand that was hurt. Um, you know, what do you tell guys about handling, um, the bye week especially, you know, when, when things are going well and guys are feeling
4: good? Yeah, it's unfortunate what, what happened to that young man. You never wish that on anybody. Um, you know, the rule number one in our organization is protect the team. And that doesn't mean, uh, it, it goes from everything in the building, out the building on the football field. Um, it's rule one: protect the team. So don't don't expose yourself to anything that you don't need to expose yourself because you getting injured is not protecting the team. Um, take care of your business. Consume uh, what you need to consume in terms of keeping your body connected to the season. Working out, regen, um, and understand this isn't a week off. It's more of a breather. And uh, and every decision you make during the bye week as a reflection of the team because we we still have we still have games to play. So. You know, you just leave them with that mindset that every decision they make is about protecting the team. And if if their decisions are not at that moment, if you don't think that decision is protecting the team, then just don't do it. And, um, you know, so hopefully hopefully our guys come back strong. We'll see. You know, this is one of those deals with the coach, coaches, an organization, G, GM, I can speak for Joe on this one, that, you know, we're going to go to bed, say our prayer, cross our fingers, and, and hopefully we can get back to Monday with everybody intact. They won't they
3: won't all be cleaning out the garage like the head coach. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned Joe. You guys had such a cool draft. And um, you know, I think a lot of people around the league were rooting for you guys, just knowing what what you've been through and um, you know, what the the hyper focus has been. But you know, you never know if these guys are actually gonna be as good as you think they are when you pick them. Um, were there some solid fist bump? You know, leaping moments during the the draft in the in the war room.
4: Um, yeah, when when uh, Ahmad uh, Sauce felt was at four? Uh, we were all pretty darn excited because uh, we 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 thought Houston was going to take him. Then ended up with Stingley's a phenomenal football player too. So he's uh, but um, you know, it's just to, to each his own. Um, but you can say one A, one B on both those guys are both deserving of where they uh, where they were drafted. Um, and then, uh, Garrett, obviously the, him, you know, it was, uh, uh, him getting to us at 10 was awesome. I thought he'd end up going to Atlanta and then, uh, just, just the excitement of Joe just working the phone, starting at 14 to try to go get, uh, Jermaine and Jermaine made a big, big play. Like we wanted Jermaine for his length, his speed, his athleticism, because we need to be able to chase Josh Allen down. And he did it in the game, you know, it's like, well, as soon as it happens, like, well, that's why we drafted him, you know, it's just, uh. Just that big, long body that can keep up with with Josh, and uh, you know, so those there are a lot of moments in there. There's getting, getting up to go get Brees, you know. I, we you know it's documented. We tried to go get Brees in the first round, um, when no one took took a bite, and we were able to make a move up uh, over. I think it was Houston to go get Brees. wasn't sure if Houston was going to take him or not. And, uh, um, you know, so it was a really cool draft, and, and just watching Joe operate, uh, it's, it's pretty cool to watch. It's his game day. And he's as calm and cool and collected as you would you would hope out of uh, your general manager.
3: Yeah, when when you guys got briefs, I was kind of like, okay, enough, guy. <laughs> like this is <laughs> like it's getting it's getting ridiculous. Um, I mean, it, was,
4: it's a, it was a good class, it's a good class. And um, you know, but the 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 trick is in year one and the trick is year two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So they just um, so that's gonna be a battle.
3: You know, you had a lot of suitors um, after 2020 and you had almost gotten the Browns job the year before. And obviously even 2020 with, with a defense that was super impacted by injuries, you you guys had a really good, you know, year as a unit. Um, A lot of people kind of thought, well, he's from the Detroit area. The lions are, are going to end up being the fit, but you had to evaluate you know, they're evaluating you, you're evaluating all these jobs, what the best fit is. Uh, you know, what did you ask some hard questions when you were talking to, to the powers that be at the Jets?
4: Yeah, you because you you want to make sure there's a fit. Uh, one of the biggest things is, uh, you know, people try to train you for every situation, and it's uh, if I'm talking to people to coaches who are about to go interview just be yourself because if yourself isn't good enough for the organization then you don't want to be there in the first place if you have to fake your way through an interview eventually that's going to bite you in the butt especially when adversity hits because if they're not if they feel like they didn't hire the person they thought they were getting it it gets bad quick and um and so i wasn't for for me i was going to ask questions that you know like this is who i am this is what you're getting um and if it's good enough for you, great. Let's let's go do something with it. If it's not, I'm I'm good. I would have been more more than happy to go back to San Francisco. Uh, Kyle does an unbelievable job out there. He makes it very family oriented. Him and John Lynch and hell of a defense. Great players. Um, great weather. Terrible taxes. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I would have been more than happy to go back. But you, I think it's so important. It's just don't don't chase a job just to get a job. I think it's, you know, it's, you work so hard to get to, to, you know, from talking to coaches, you work so hard to get to where you are and you've got this one opportunity to make sure
2: you pick the right opportunity.
3: I'll ask you one dark question and then bring it back to the light before we get, let you get out of here. But was there a moment either last year or early this year where you were just like, man, you know, you, you put so much into it and it's so hard to turn a team around. Did you have a, a moment where you were just thinking, this is really, really rough?
4: You always do. You that's uh, you know you're not human if you're not second guessing yourself in adversity. But but at the same time you you've got to reach to your past. Um, we built a top five defense in Jacksonville. We built a championship team in Seattle. I saw that um, in San Francisco. You said it in the when this thing started that I was I was I was the I was I was on the firing line. I was I was the reason why we stunk in San Francisco, and those first two years was. Uh, it was not easy being questioned. And it was funny when I talked to Kyle about it, he goes, "Salah, like, don't worry about it. You're not in trouble until the media starts asking me. Like, no one cares. <laughs> and then a week later, they start asking him, does Salah deserve to be back? I'm like, ah,
2: see, see.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, we got like the 13th ranked defense in yards and all that, but we can't get a takeaway to save our life. And I'm like, this is BS. And, and that's why, that's why I have such an appreciation for Kyle um because and he showed me in in terms of it's not about firing people it's it's about building something special and building continuity i think cincinnati is a good example where um zach taylor could have fired uh lou on a couple of occasions but he stuck with it and if you you know like the the anomalies and the one hit wonders it's not that's not the norm building things that last building have building a foundation is what lasts and so to answer your question you know yeah it's tough but I, I know that if we just stick to our guns we stay true to who we are um and we have conviction in the things we believe in and we don't try to reinvent the wheel just to reinvent the wheel we just stick to it we're all going to end up on the same page and we're going to be a more efficient football team and um, that's why teams like New England, when people look at them, they're like, God, how are they winning? They're winning because they know that they know how to coach it and the players know how to play it. And, um, and why we won that year, you know, you mentioned our 2020 team, it was year four for our defense. I was like, well, geez, you guys had, well, we, we, we played well on defense because all the guys who stepped in knew exactly what was being asked of them and the coaches knew how to coach it. You know, we were convicted in our scheme. So we were able to play with tremendous efficiency and in a year where, there's so much chaos with all the Zoom meetings and all that stuff. And um, so at the end of the day, football is its a 53-man sport. Like you, you have 11 players that have to play in unison. And it's not 11 contractors. It's 11 players working together. And the, more, the longer they're together, the better they're going to be. And uh, I, yeah, it gets tough. But I know what's at the end of the tunnel. It's a
3: it's a great point about Lou Lou Anaruma, who all of a sudden you're in an AFC championship game and Patrick Mahomes, maybe the one of the only times where I it didn't look like he knew what he was seeing for a second. Yeah. And obviously he'll bounce back. But uh yeah, they stuck with with Lou. Um you have a first-time offensive coordinator in Mike LaFleur, younger brother, much younger brother of Matt. Um Did they start asking about him? I'm I'm trying to remember. Did you start getting the Mike LaFleur questions even last year?
4: So so this is funny. Um, It was like week four of the first season. And I get a question from one of our, I know who the beat writer was, but I'm not going to put him on blast. Ask me about Mike LaFleur and whether or not I think he's doing a good job. And I, and I was like, geez, in my back of my mind, I answer the question. I go to LaFleur. I was like, it took a year and 14 games for me to get questioned about my job security already, Mike. Jesus, week <laughs> four, man. <laughs> well,
3: right, <laughs> right below you, what people can't see there's a giant bucket of receipts that you are, you know, that's just another one that you threw in there. So I don't know what's going to happen this year, but eventually we're going to have you dip into that giant bucket of receipts and uh, let it fly on the show.
4: Uh, no, hopefully it's, hopefully it's after a Super Bowl, but we'll see.
3: Right on. Well, thank you so much for uh, enlightening us and enlivening and our, uh, our little show here. And we, we really appreciate you.
2: I
4: appreciate you, Mike.